Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, here we are, Wednesday edition, PFT Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. Is there somebody in the studio with there you? There is. There's somebody in the studio. I'm a little, like, my computer, I don't know what it is today. It's like, it wants a certificate that NBC has set up to, I don't know, renew my internet connection with the company. So I opened up my computer today and I can't connect to anything. So now I have I think a, that's the first sign. That you're being fired. Uh, maybe. I think that's what that maybe. is. Maybe. Trust me. I literally was like, you know, the, with all this crap they always got, it's NBC Mobile, NBC Corp. It's an SSO number. It's connect to this, the global network. And I just want to I just want to get on the computer and look at football news. It's the only thing I do. Can I just have a computer that does that? I don't do anything else. Please have that. So now I'm trying to make deal with this right here. I just had no idea. I heard you talking to somebody when we are in those final seconds before the show begins and I couldn't tell what was going on. And I thought, is one of his kids there? Is this bring <laughs> yeah, your son no. or daughter to work day? And I wasn't aware of it. Like, <sighs> is he is he training someone? Like, who's in there? So at least now I know that they're trying to fix your computer as we try to put on a show for the next two hours. The show is PFT Live here on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports Action. It's action, action in the offseason, even though there is no action going on in the NFL, which still makes no sense to me. And podcasts wherever you get your podcast by the way yeah by the way, what we got some old business and we got some new business okay Don't they do that at official meetings robert's rules of order and all that stuff old business and this is a hell of a thing because for the first time ever in the history of the show yesterday we mentioned the concept of a hawk actually killing one of your chickens yes. although not daffodil yet daffodil has been spared hawks foxes coyotes bears don't put the hex the on her potential. mike don't put the hex on her okay? i'm trying to, or or <laughs> or possibly me cracking the chicken before it goes into the fryer at kfc and i was doing a radio spot with 
WSCR, the score in Chicago, within an hour after the show ended yesterday. Right. And I'll do it on my phone, and I'll just kind of wander around my office or wander around the first floor of the house, although my wife usually doesn't like that. She doesn't want to hear me talking about football really anytime, but especially not on the phone with some radio station. So I was in my office, and I swing the door open, or the, not the door open, but I swing the window open, uh, the blinds, this wooden blind pulls it open. I'm standing there, and I'm looking out the window, and there's a tree out by the driveway, and I had noticed looking out that window at some point over the past few weeks, a cluster of leaves up there, but I never thought anything of it, right? I didn't think, what is that? How'd that happen? How did that come to be? It's just there. Just accept it. It's there, and I accept it, but it's this big cluster of leaves right. up near the top of the tree, right? and as I'm talking to these folks from Chicago, a freaking hawk flies into it and, and is perched there, as hawks do, looking around. There it is. And the I, that that's not with the hawk because the hawk was there for a little while and then the hawk swooped away like right toward the house like the hawk saw me and was going to make a run at me, but yeah, there's a hawk nest and just yesterday, yesterday the day that we have the conversation about the hazards that hawks can present to the free range chickens at the uh, yeah. Sims family farm, right? I realized that it's a good thing I have no chickens here because they would not last very long because I've got a hawk that's in position. To attack, you, you got to like it, it. It stresses me out. Like it drives my wife crazy almost to a degree because sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just go outside and check the chickens, and I walk the yard like I told you yesterday and kind of scour the trees because what they'll do too is they'll they'll be there and you'll let like like you're talking about you you won't know. They're very quiet. They're stealth mode, and they could like be in a branch on the edge of your yard and be there for a day and just wait for that squirrel or that chicken or whatever just to leave the you know the crowd or be in a spot. So I'm always walking around with the dogs because they don't like when they see the dogs running around the yard. Then they know they might not be able to finish or catch their meal. And it's a, it's a, it's probably like my wife's pet peeve right now. She's probably so sick of me doing it, but. Uh, now you're you're feeling me a little bit there. You understand where I'm coming from. It's the food chain playing out. <laughs> yeah, right in front of us. Experience <laughs> the circle of life. I'm glad I don't have any small pets because they would not last very long. I don't think the hawk is going to mess with Macy. She's 67 pounds. I think the hawk. Yeah, yeah, that's stay good. away. No doubt. But when it when it jumped out of the nest and swooped down and it throws the wings open yeah it really is impressive and they're beautiful when animals. you see it low yeah. like that yes yeah, yeah they're yeah. beautiful animals and they're they got you know of course a big wingspan but if you see one that's full grown <laughs> that's great <laughs> if you see one that's full grown me. i mean they got like you know there's some thickness to them and you see how big their talons are and all that to where uh, it is an, a very impressive uh, animal. It really is. And they're smart and they're scary and they're all of that. New business before we move on. Yeah. It is freaking hot in my, in my studio. <laughs> it got little? warm yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And what happens is the transition, and I, I go through this every April or May, from the heat to the cool. Heat to cool. And it got hot yesterday. So it was 77 degrees when I passed by the thermostat that controls the temperature up here. And it's like, oh, this is going to be bad. So I flipped it over to the air conditioner and the air conditioner's on, but it's hot up here. And today it's going to be 86. Are you like, kidding what me? What the hell? It hadn't been spring 
And now all. it's summer. Like every once in a while, it's going to be, and just boom, straight to it, 86 degrees. All right, well, when are you going to open up that pool that you never swim in this year? When's that going to happen? We're, we're, we're on the list. The pool guy has already been texted, and he's okay. already responded. It's just a matter of him coming to get it ready because the pool is a weird shape, so we don't have a cover for it. So part of the, part of the fun, although I don't have to partake in any of it, right. in the winter and fall and early spring is – Using the big long pool, whatever that is, the big long like yeah. net like, yeah. on a stick, the right. big net on a stick yeah. to take leaves out of the pool because a bunch of leaves get in the pool and Jill Jill will do that and fill up, you know, garbage can full of leaves. So it needs to be cleaned out, the water and they leave the same water in. Wow. They they, they treat it and yeah, they run it through right, and the right. water it's pool water. Yeah. So yeah, okay. that that's gonna happen at some point. All right, good, good. I'm glad not today. clean it up not so today. no one can swim in it's, it in the Florio household. It's <laughs> it's green. It's green right now, and there's a bunch of leaves and it doesn't look very good. It's not very inviting, but soon it will be ready for me to just look at and say, That's a good looking pool. I'm not gonna get in it. Eighty six. I'm jealous. I we got some warm weather yesterday. It looks like we're turning the corner here. I think tomorrow we're supposed to get like a pretty warm day, but with some thunderstorms and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's the weather's weird. I mean, New Jersey and this area here has become a tornado place all of a sudden in the last year. Never a tornado in like the history of my life living in the Northeast. Now with climate change and whatever the unstable, you know, atmospheric conditions. We're seeing tornado alerts and, and issues like that in, in spots that we never have seen before. So, I mean, you don't know what to expect from the weather anymore. It's all over the place. Well, we've been very fortunate to not have to deal with those issues here. I can't imagine what the folks in the areas that have been struck repeatedly right, right. and constantly. And I think there's a call for some potential bad weather. They could We could be possibly on the fringes of it here today but it's more to the west but it, it it really is harrowing when you see the the images that come out of these towns that are just blown away by very strong tornadoes that hit the ground and stay on the ground for a long period of time that is just a tremendous stressor fear for little kids can you imagine trying to process this and understand that there's this thing that can just show up in the middle of the night and just blow your house away and potentially kill you or a family member it is it is uh terrifying i couldn't imagine living in an area where that's no, a constant worry and there are plenty of areas in the country 35 million people potentially affected by the the weather systems that could pass through today cuz you never know where that that rogue finger is going to land and drop that tornado and take out a town and potentially kill more than a few people. There, there have been some horrible incidents. But there's so many other things in the world that that command the attention of the news cycle. Yeah. That the tornadoes and the victims and the damage, like they're, I think they're fighting for the attention they deserve, and hopefully they get the support they need and they get the funding they need to rebuild. And uh, but but that's just kind of. And it happens not every single year this time of year, but it you know every few years it seems like there's an outbreak and there has been one. So yeah. we, we hope that that ends quickly and our hearts go out to the folks who have to deal with that stuff. It really is uh, uh, incomprehensible for me, and uh, and I guess in theory we could we could deal with it here, but we've been in a sweet spot where we've it's never been an issue. And uh, every once in a while, tornado watch and very, very rarely tornado warning. And when you hear those words, tornado warning, like it just strikes fear through your heart. Because what do you what do you what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Right. That means it's there. That means there's a funnel cloud somewhere. And you just hope 
and pray that it doesn't. Well, does your safe right. room, you'll be okay in your safe room if the tornado comes by? I mean, we're going to be able to lock it up and you'll be good? You'll be all safe in there? I don't know. I don't know. I've never had to try. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, hopefully I won't find out. But it, it literally is a safe that is big enough to be a room. Right. So that's where that's where we would go into our safe. And your black box, right? It's like what Seinfeld always said. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? That thing seems to be okay. It's like you put your safe in well, the house. You're like, I'm in the black box. I'm going to be okay no matter what. <laughs> we'll see if it works, and then we'll see if we can get out of the black box once yeah. we're inside the black box. But uh, yeah, it would be something to pull that door open and have nothing left. So uh, anyway, and, and people deal with that. I mean, it's a thing. People deal with that, and they're dealing with that constant threat of it. So we're here to provide a distraction and diversion from the, the various things that folks have to deal with every day. And we know that people are dealing with a lot. All right, Patriots fans are dealing with a lot. And Chris, you talked the other day about how Bill Belichick, coach of the Patriots, not thrilled with the fact that Mac Jones, during his second year, on the team, going outside the family to get some help on how to actually run an NFL offense because the Frankenstein monster of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were not getting it, getting it done. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Joe Judge does not get mentioned enough as part of the problem. Joe Judge, a huge part of the problem. Making him quarterback's coach was a huge part of the problem. Making Matt Patricia offense coordinator was a big part of the problem. Making Joe Judge the position coach was a huge part of the problem. And for Mac Jones, this is all in the immediate aftermath of Josh McDaniels, one of the best offensive minds in football, leaving. Right. So right. it was a huge contrast for him. And his career is hanging is in the balance. Right. to being coached right. in a proper way because if he goes out and sucks, they're not going to say, well, he's getting bad coaching. They're going to say he's bad. So I say all that because we've been talking about it. I wrote something about it yesterday. And because so many people in the business read what we write, I'll hear from people immediately after writing certain things. People I know, people I trust, people who are plugged in. And I started to hear, hey, you don't know the half of it. Belichick tried to trade Mac Jones this offseason. And that took the whole thing to a new level. And it's not surprising. It's the next logical step in this dysfunction that exists between Belichick and Mac Jones. Well, there definitely is something there. I mean, we, we know that. It does seem like there's friction, right? Uh, you know, whether it's the story I told yesterday or, you know, other things that have gone on there. Also, too, with Mac Jones, I mean, yeah, the, the, the people that were most in his corner or the people that, you know, were vouching for him when he was coming out into the draft, uh, we know Bill Belichick liked him, but – that offensive staff and the people you explained, Josh McDaniels and company, Mickey Lombardi, who's now the offensive coordinator with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, they were all in New England. So they were the Mac Jones people, you know, in a lot of ways. And, and again, we've talked about this. Mac Jones is going to be, you know, catch the eye of, of some of the brilliant coordinators in football because his ability to handle all that they can give out and he can digest it all and process it all on the field and make it work on the field at a high level. That's the greatness of Mac Jones. So with what they did, you know, they chopped a leg out from under underneath Mac Jones and one of his best things. And, hey, give me more offense. Give me more plays. Give me more checks. Give me more thoughts, and I can do it. Well, he doesn't get that with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia because, of course, they're not on Josh McDaniels' level, let alone, yeah, he doesn't have maybe – 
the guys that were in his corner, in his corner, in that organization right now fighting for him. So I don't know where it is. I haven't heard what you have heard. I I am one, even though it's a weird the relationship, I still go, that sounds not like Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots to make that type of move or do that. But you know people, I know that. So obviously, you know, there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and we know there's a little smoke with here, with this relationship anyways. And we know that, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, I just can't think of a better way to say it. Head games can get played from time yeah, to time by right, Bill Belichick, right. right? And it may just be it may just be that that this is a way to get Mac Jones to settle down a little bit and accept the fact that he's going to have to compete with Bailey Zappi because that was the news from last week. That's what we focused on the other day when you pivoted to the idea that Belichick isn't thrilled with the fact that Mac Jones was calling people in Alabama for help last year when their offense was as rudimentary as it could possibly be. And it was this horribly failed experiment driven by hubris. And I said at the time, if any other coach was doing this, we'd be saying, what in the hell is he thinking? And in hindsight, what in the hell was he thinking? So there's friction, there's animosity, there's – and like Mac just doesn't take his crap. I think that's part of the problem too. Mac has become vocal. Mac has become a little assertive or a lot assertive. He's not the Stepford Patriot that we've come to be uh, accustomed to in the past 20 years where you just act like a robot at all times. He says what he thinks, and he's become more and more aggressive, I believe, about making his views known, and we saw it last year. So is this an effort to get him in line? Is this an effort to tell him, be careful what you wish for? You could end up with a different team. Does he want to be with a different team? I think he resents the fact that he's got to compete with Bailey Zappi. And we've heard twice now Bill Belichick not say Mac is the guy. And so there's some stuff there. There's some there's stuff. There's some stuff there. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Chris, look, I, I look at the Raiders. I was looking at the Raiders before we got to free agency. And even though they have added Jimmy Garoppolo, you look at his contract the Garoppolo contract does not scream, this guy's the unquestioned number one. Mac is still under the final two years of a slotted rookie deal for the 15th overall pick in the draft. If the Raiders, who are scoping out quarterbacks in round one, don't draft one, that becomes plan B. Trade for Mac Jones. That's a possibility that could happen after round one of the draft, depending upon who the Raiders do or don't get. So I'm keeping a close eye on the Raiders as the draft approaches, and I'll be watching even more carefully if they don't draft a quarterback. Yeah, well, listen, it's 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 fair to make that connection. I, I, I hear you there. I do. Again, I'll say just in that, you know, watching that group closely, I don't think that's their type of move at that point of the year after the draft. I would say for next year on the radar, like you're talking about with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And, Mike, that's where I also, you know, within the conversation and the stuff you put out there yesterday and all that – you know, I do wonder if, 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 you know, and again, I'm not trying to discredit your source or anything like that, but, you know, there's a difference between shopping and then people called, right, about a player too. Hey, shopping, hey, blah, 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 he's available, he's available. What do you think? What do you think? You know, do, do, do I think it's crazy to think that maybe the Raiders and Josh McDaniels maybe called the Patriots early on in the offseason to check, you know? Uh, maybe a Kyle Shanahan called early in the offseason 
you know, the guys that we know liked Mac Jones. I don't I don't think that's crazy to think that. That's different than shopping the guy though. That's where it's different. And then the other thing I do, I, 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 but I, I look, I appreciate yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah. My understanding is, yeah, Belichick made the calls. Okay, whether he All made right. them directly or someone else did. That this wasn't somebody calling up, kicking the tires on Mac Jones. This is Belichick affirmatively. And the teams that were mentioned were the Buccaneers, the Texans, the Commanders, and the Raiders, not the 49ers. So the 49ers. Yeah, no, I'm not saying. I'm just throwing sense. out theories. I'm not even. And, and I was, yeah. I was joking. I was joking yesterday with Tom Curran about the possibility of just trading Trey Lance for Mac Jones. What the hell? Problem solved. And Kyle finally gets the guy that we all thought he wanted to take when he moved up to number three two years ago. Yeah, sure. Well, the, the other part of this too, though, is. I mean, one, does Bill Belichick, I know he didn't, and, and this is where I think, you know, you're spot on and your pasta and meatballs are good, where, hey, he's not going to give anybody the job or just lay out the red carpet like we talked about. So, yeah, they had games between, you know, you know, is, is Mac Jones definitely going to be the starter? No, everybody's going to compete. Everybody's going to have a chance to be, you know, a starter or play, whatever. You know, th- those are definitely head games of, of a Bill Belichick, not letting anybody feel comfortable, sure, sending that notice out throughout his football team. But, I again, I will say, like, for him to trade Mac Jones early in the offseason, you know, and, and I don't know what his plan was going to be. I don't know. It just seems unlike Bill. That's where I'm shocked. I mean, it, that's where it's just between that and the offensive coordinator thing. That's where I would just go, damn, that just doesn't seem his M.O. right there. Now, maybe they had another plan that they were going to put into place there, but I have a hard time thinking he was going to just dive in with Bailey Zappi and go, okay, we're good with that. You know, I don't I don't feel that that's where the organization wants to go, but it is weird, Mike, and I'm not doubting you. I'm not doubting you at all. It's just there's obviously something there in that relationship that's wrong, and then I think what complicates it too is, and you've alluded to this, is the fact that, you know, Mr. Kraft and the Kraft family seems to have taken a liking to Mac Jones and understand what he can be and as a leader of their organization. So that adds a little bit of a an issue in this whole thing too. But uh, interesting, man. We've never seen this kind of stuff with the Patriots or had these kind of talks, I feel like. I think the bottom line is Bill Belichick has finally encountered a quarterback, and maybe we can even stretch it more broadly and say a player who isn't afraid of him, who will give it back to him who isn't afraid about talking out of school, who isn't afraid about expressing his displeasure to others, even if it gets back to Bill Belichick. Because I think last year, some of his displeasure early in the season, when he had the ankle injury, remember he suffered the ankle injury sure. against the Ravens, and right. he was out for a while, and it was Bailey Zappi. When's he going to go back to Mac? And and there was already the underlying frustration about the switch from Josh McDaniels to the Patricia Judge approach. There was frustration and Mac Jones may have been talking out of school may have gotten back to Bill Bill may not have been happy about it and Mac didn't care Mac didn't go shrink in the corner at the big bad Bill Belichick that's what makes this thing so fascinating you've got ownership that loves this kid you've got a kid who's not afraid of Bill Belichick like other players have been yeah sure and he'll and and so what do you do? What do you do? Do you do you do you clip his wings? What do you do? And regardless of whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, it's the worst quarterback situation in the division. If and when Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets, that's for damn sure. To and on, to and on, you'll be happy to to acknowledge that we believe in Tua more than we believe in anybody under contract currently. 
with the New England Patriots at the quarterback position. Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Aaron Rodgers. You put Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. I forgot how much they look alike. You put those two guys at the bottom of the division. When when is the last time that the Patriots have had the worst quarterbacks in their division? Gosh, it's going back to before Drew Bledsoe era, probably somewhere in there, right? Early '90s. I mean, that that would be the first time you could even think about that being a a possibility. Uh, so the, the, it's been forever. You're right. They've been blessed and, and been in some good situations there at that position. I, I mean, you're saying it right, Mike. I mean, you are. Now, now what, 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 where I say, like, the other part of me that's just like, why would Bill Belichick want to do this? Or we know to a degree maybe because of, you know, the things we're talking about here. But, I, you know, also, too, just with where I guess, you know, I want to question it, Mike, again, is just go – Man, yeah, unlike anything I've ever seen Bill do, unlike, again, here is a big year for the Patriot football team. I mean, a big year, people up in Boston, you know, they're all wanting more from Bill Belichick. You're writing articles about he's on the hot seat, the greatest coach of all time, and he's going to make up a quarterback, you know, and, and, and have a new quarterback situation. That's another part where... You know, I, I don't know. It just I'm like, wow, that I, I just doesn't seem like him. And then you got a guy like Billy O'Brien who came from Alabama and has been in New England, and you would think that a Mac Jones makes sense or fits with him and will mesh there together as well. Um, so that's where it's just like, what is going on up there? And and that's where I'm, I guess I'm a little confused and maybe question some of it and what's going on and everything. We would have to go all the way back to 1992. Hugh Millen started seven games. Scott Zolak started four. Tommy Hodson, whoever that is, started three. And Jeff Carlson, whoever that is, started two. That was 1992. <laughs> that helped the Patriots bottom out to get the first overall pick in 1993. Bill Parcells arrives, and he takes Drew Bledsoe. That was another year where there were two top quarterback prospects. One worked out one did not do you remember and i'm gonna ask you a, a three-phase question all right here. hold on here yep. who was number two hang on yep. who was number two yep. where did he go to college and who drafted him wow wow and that was the 93 draft 19 and 93 whoa man I cannot think of who was the other. I'll give you a oh, hint. I'll okay. give you a was hint. he Notre Dame? Was it, you got it? Was it Notre and Dame? You got one of the three. Was it ding, Rick, ding, ding. That's Rick one. Meyer. There you go. Seattle Seahawks. Him. There you go. Boom. He completed the trifecta. Thank you. Thank he, you. Now, you would, have been, you would have been dead if it was Jeopardy. You would have run out of time. <laughs> it would have gone, eh, eh, eh. But, but you got it. I gave it a little extra time, and you got it. Yeah. Thank you. So just a reminder, as we sit 22 days away from the draft, and we're having this C.J. Stroud-Bryce Young comparison, it was 30 years ago exactly that it was Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer, and Meyer never worked out in Seattle, and Bledsoe ended up being not, not spectacular, but took a team to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Tom Brady ascension, I think, causes us to view Drew Bledsoe less than we should. Sure. Drew Bledsoe was better than he gets credit for because he got eclipsed by Tom Brady, and we just think of him as a guy who yeah, got shoved at the right. side. He was still pretty good. He was. He was very good. He led a team to a Super Bowl. I mean, it was, what, 21 all and, or, or 28-21 with you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers. 
They were in the mix of things every year with Drew Bledsoe at quarterback. Let's not forget. I mean, they got to the first Super Bowl where Brady won and all that. Why? I mean, hey, Drew Bledsoe came in in the AFC Championship game and threw a big touchdown pass and played really good when Brady hurt his ankle, right, in like the first quarter, early second quarter there. So he held down the fort, you know. But, yeah, you're right. I was at that game. Yeah, I was at that game. You were at that. There was a, yeah. And there was, only, there was only one week between conference championship and Super Bowl, and that Monday, Tuesday, like, is it going to be Bledsoe? Is yeah, it be Brady? Because right. there was that? an injury to Brady, and Bledsoe came in, and it's like, hey, this is this is. And I think Bledsoe had an expectation. Yeah. That I'm I'm finally getting my job back. Right. And they they stuck with Brady, and that it all it all happened so quickly, and and it was kind of like it doesn't matter anyway because the Rams are so good. Yeah, you're so right. That it never too. was a big focal right. point. Right. So and then the next thing you know, they win the Super Bowl, and the legend of Tom Brady is born. It's yeah. just amazing how quickly these seismic shifts can happen in the NFL. But that Tom Brady thing was really cemented. Now the the win over the Raiders was something that got people to lean forward, but it wasn't until they won the Super Bowl that this Brady thing kind of pops up. Right. And before that, it was, you know, yeah, are they going back to Drew Bledsoe? And a lot of people were probably upset that they didn't. So, I, I mean, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it was uh, – it's, it's, it's fascinating. It really is, you know, a little – taking advantage of opportunity, a little luck, all that. And, you know, he continued to work and get better to where, you know, a few years from that, from, from after that, he was, you know, we were talking about him being the best quarterback in football with Peyton Manning. So uh, it's an unbelievable story. But here, like getting back to this, Mike, what do you think then? I mean, do you got to lean? Have you heard anything out there? Do you think they're content? As for, you know, right now and, okay, we're done. We're not shopping them anymore. We're going to stay with Mac Jones here and, and ride this out and go? Or do you think they're still going to flirt with possibilities throughout, you know, the next month and, and in, you know, to the draft process here? I think it's no different than Lamar Jackson at this point. We've got to see what happens in the draft. We've got to see who's targeting quarterbacks and who gets them. We have to see who's targeting quarterbacks and who doesn't. There are the teams that we know or at least believe, are looking at quarterbacks, they're the teams we don't know that are looking at quarterbacks. And once we get through round one, we get into that round two, round three. Now, even by then, like, what what do you get? How do you work this out? What does Mac Jones secure for the Patriots if there's a trade to be done? And would Robert Kraft even allow it to happen? Again, he loves the kid, or at least he seems to. And I know he... he defers to Bill Belichick when it comes to the construction of the team, but I'd like to think for some issues, he's going to be willing to say, I really don't want to do that. There's a greater chance the quarterback's going to be here next year than you are, Bill, at least for now. So let's not get too hasty. And I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not. Like at some point, the owner's got to exercise his prerogative as the owner. So I just think it's complicated. But the big factor now is where do the quarterbacks go in this year's draft and what teams may still be looking, considering, pondering once we get past that first wave of quarterbacks who were picked? I, I, I you know, I, I hear you and there's issues there. I just would be shocked. I'd be shocked if anything's done with Mac Jones, especially now that we're back this late in the game. 
You know, again, I, I'm shocked even, you know, with the news you broke yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I am. And because it just seems like an unpatriot type thing. But again, maybe that's what the world we're in right now. Just everything, like everything seems that there's way. a lot of that. Yeah. Right. Exactly what I mean. I mean, so I, that's 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 understandable or at least I'm like, damn, I don't know. Maybe things have changed there. But now we're getting into April. You know, you start to get to wait. The guys are in the building here. We're starting to implement the, you know, the playbook once again. And Billy O'Brien is there. That's where I just go. This is the time of the year where, man, my history playing for Josh McDaniels, knowing how that team works through my dad all those years and, and even working up there a little bit where, you know, we have this conversation. This is where they frame their team for the year. I'd be shocked if they did anything from here on out. But, you know, obviously going to keep and- keep my ear to the ear to the ground here and, and see what happens for our business it's better if they don't because this will be the gift that keeps on giving all year long because now not that we weren't already paying attention but now we're paying an extra degree of attention to any signs any indications any problems any f-bombs whatever bill belichick says or doesn't say when he's asked about quarterbacks i mean think about it he's going to have press availabilities during the off-season program, during OTAs, mandatory minicamp, get into training camp, what's going on with the quarterback position, how long is this competition going to last, when are you going to pick a starter? When we played the sound the other day, it occurred to me, you said they're both going to have a chance to play. It's like, does, does he mean they're both going to have a chance to be the guy who plays all the time, or does he mean they're both going to play? They're both going to have a chance to actually play in games. They're both going to play like we thought they were setting up in that Bears game. Last year, that Monday night debacle when Chicago yeah. went in and unleashed Justin Fields. Don't they wish they had Justin Fields? And I know they're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. I, I've I've heard that that just doesn't work for them. I think in part because they'd have to give up so many draft picks to get him, and then you got to pay him. But if there was an easy way for them to upgrade for Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi to Lamar Jackson, a guy that Bill Belichick has had a hard time defending against, I yeah. that makes the team a lot better. And I'm sure there are some fans that are just confused and perplexed by the fact that they just don't go get him. But it is is far more difficult to pull it off than it is to just say, yeah, he'd make us better. But all these issues, all this dysfunction, throw in the fact that I do firmly believe last week Robert Kraft put Bill Belichick on the hot seat. It makes the Patriots a fascinating team to watch in 2023, especially as they – they try to stay above water in a division where they are potentially, if not likely, the number four team. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's fair to say all that. I mean, we all got it. We've never seen this type of stuff here. That's the problem with, you know, being perfect for 20 years is you make a few mistakes and everybody's like, whoa, it's falling apart here. And it's like, no, they just missed the playoffs last year and they were there the year before in the playoffs. And the rookie quarterback went to the playoffs and he was really close to going to the playoffs in year two with a horrible offensive situation with the coaching and all that. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I think that's why there's a little more talk about this as well. Like, I think it's crazy to have Bill Belichick on the hot seat. If I saw Mr. Kraft and he asked my opinion, I'd go, it's crazy talk, Mr. Kraft. I'm sorry. I love you. You got I got great respect for you. But damn, I mean, Bill Belichick hot seat, that just, you know, I don't know. That doesn't even ring true in my ears. But I understand the world we live in now, and it's it's what have you done for me lately. Uh, but this Mac Jones, Bill Belichick thing, yeah, we've never really seen this. 
We haven't. And it does seem like there's definitely friction there. And I've never seen Belichick really have friction with a quarterback other than maybe Drew Bledsoe where it wasn't friction rather than I'm just picking the other guy so you don't like me anymore. Um, that's where it's it's rare too, even for all the pushing of Tom Brady's buttons and all that. I don't think Brady ever, you know, was mad at Bill Belichick to the point where it seemed like Mac Jones was this past year or like frustrated with the whole situation. So that's also why I think it's, you know, just odd and kind of glaring. Uh, we haven't seen them in these, these spots. It is an amazing contrast and maybe it's generational and you never think of generational issues among football players because the older generation never hangs around long enough to be compared to the younger one. But Brady internalized it. Brady took it. Brady was a good soldier until he got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore. And then he was just done. Mac Jones is not taking it. Mac Jones is pushing back. Mac Jones isn't going to roll over. And again, it may be that younger players less inclined to take that guff from a head coach, even though Mac Jones took plenty of it from Nick Saban at Alabama. But we see a guy who's willing to be Far more demonstrative. And we'd see Brady do it specifically directed to the offensive coordinator. There was never a question. There was never an incident. There was never a time when we thought Brady had an issue with Bill Belichick in game. There was never an an awkward exchange between the two of them. It was always Brady, you know, chewing out Billy O'Brien. Chewing out Josh McDaniels. Teammates. It was never directed at Bill Belichick. He took it from Bill for 20 years. And then I that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Mac Jones, yeah. not taking it for 20 months. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, like you've said all along, I mean, last year, that was that was a hard spot to be put in, especially again, when, you know, you've came from, you know, I know this is a Van Gogh here. And then all of a sudden you go to another guy who's like, wait, hey, wait this guy writes stick figures. Like it's, but I was just with Van Gogh and now we're drawing stick figures. Wait, this isn't, this doesn't seem right. Hey, and I, I'm just figuring out why he has the pencil in it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be funny to there in that, figures. you know, I'm not being yeah. literal, but you know what I'm saying there. And that's, that's tough. It's frustrating as a quarterback, you know, you know where you're going, wait, I'm being taught this and whoa, he had all these great thoughts and why he called this play. And you're sitting in the meetings going, wait, I'm not hearing these same messages or thoughts anymore. We've gone basic, you know, and, and I, I give them credit for being mature enough to speak up and address the problem. Most young quarterbacks would have just been like, all right, I don't know. I'm just going to trust it or whatever. And, and you know, squeaky wheels get oiled in the NFL. That's what I do know. I do know the the good soldier thing never works for the good soldiers unless you're the best player on the team. You know, but it's it's uh, the the good soldier guy is always the guy that gets crapped on in the NFL. Oh, we want you to be a team guy, team guy, team guy, and then they bow down to the guy who complains all the time in the locker room and does everything. And the team guy, they get shit on and go, "Well, he can handle it. He's a team guy. We'll just keep crapping on him." And you know, that, I give him credit for that. I do. <laughs> Isn't that how it works everywhere, though? Yeah, I guess so. Isn't it? I, I know. Mean, really? I know. <laughs> it's a nice microcosm of society, right? But um. People get confused, like, why is this so hard? Matt Patricia's been around football all these years. Why is it so hard for him to run an offense? you got to think about it. When you are an offensive mind or a defensive mind, whichever side of the ball you specialize in, what you are right now is the culmination of all the time you've spent studying. It's every year of experience you have. It's a slow-rolling snowball that gets larger and larger. And so, you know, for a great offensive mind, 
you got this many years in. Pick a guy, Sean Payton, John Gruden, any great offensive mind, thinking about how to attack offenses or defenses, excuse me, over and over and over again, constantly being creative, ideas, this database in your brain of how to attack a defense. That's what you bring to the table. So now you take a guy like Josh McDaniels, who has been attacking defenses and coming up with ways to refine his offense and learning and improving and tweaking and getting better and better and better. You throw in a guy that's been a defensive coach all these years and he's starting from square one. Of course, it's Van Gogh to stick figures. Right, right. Because it always starts with stick figures and it becomes Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how smart you are. Yeah, that's right. you got to start with stick figures before you even come close to, to approaching Van Gogh levels. That's the problem. For Matt Patricia, and he did get put in a difficult spot. That's what Kraft said last week. Very it wasn't tough. fair to him. Right. And what's he going to say? No, right. I'm not going to accept this assignment. Yeah. They didn't have a spot for him on the defensive side of the ball. That's how it happened. Yeah. He's back, and they want to work him in to the coaching staff. He wants a coach again. Sorry, no room for you on defense. Oh, we got some room on offense. Let's give it a try. But it's all be- it, it's Bill's fault. How does he not see that? How did he not again? Well, I think that's past last year. It was was happening because he's Bill Belichick. Right. We shouldn't have. We should have been screaming. This is going to be a disaster. Well, we we definitely questioned it and we called it out during the year. But not like we. But maybe, maybe should have. Yeah, you're right. We we trusted in, you know, the almighty Bill Belichick. We did because we've seen him do some different things throughout his you know, years, and we've gone, man, I don't know about that. That seems weird. That seems odd. And then, you know, they're 17-0 and 0 and you know, in the playoffs. You're like, well, I guess it wasn't that odd. They knew what they were doing. So that's – but, but yeah, a very tough – Matt Patricia's a good coach. That's where I don't want anybody to – he's a good coach. He knows a lot of football about a lot of different things. Yes, he got put in, like you said, a really tough situation where it was really almost impossible to succeed. All right, so like offense this year, Mike, you hit on the quarterbacks. We got Billy O'Brien, so we got an offensive coordinator now. Quarterbacks are fourth in the AFC. I agree with you there. You know, when you include Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, where do they stand? You know, where do they stand in the NFL? You know, top third, middle third, bottom third, where do you got it? Like, I'm one that would say that they're in the middle third, maybe towards the bottom of that middle third right now with the way played, but in the middle third. It's always tough to do it. In isolation because, you know, it's like saying, oh, that guy's a top 10 quarterback. And if you go through the whole league and you say that top 10 or not top 10, you have 20 top 10 quarterbacks. So we tend to, I think, overinflate where or or underinflate, depending upon what point we're trying to make. I would say they're in the middle third. Right. I agree with you toward the bottom of the middle third right now. Just the fact that that there's a competition like the the. The reality that you don't know who your starter is going to be week one and you're going to let guys compete necessarily puts you toward the bottom because the best teams know who their quarterback is going to be and they're working on refining and improving and developing that guy. Not, gee, we don't know who it's going to be. We're going to let it compete. So any any place where there's a true competition going into the season, and Belichick made it clear last week, you're, you're gravitating toward the bottom because that's not an ideal situation for anyone to be in. No, no. And, you know, it was, it was not, it was, you know, again, for all the reasons we just talked about, it was not Mac Jones' best year. You know, but partly to blame is him, sure. Partly to blame is the situation itself. But, you know, especially early in the year when they lost a few games, I mean, the, that bottom left number there, the 11 interceptions, that's, that's I bet you, what pissing Bill Belichick off, Bill Belichick off more than anything. He's going hey, stop making these mistakes and we can run the ball and my defense is still damn good here. 
to where, you know, we could have won a few games without, you know, some of those mistakes last year. I'm sure that's where the frustration is. But, okay, so we're together in the quarterback point. Now, running back, right? You go through their offense, running back. Ramondre Stevenson's really damn good. They got James Robinson, Ty Montgomery, and Pierre Strong Jr. You know, where are you going to put that group there when you break down their offense? Look, James Robinson is a guy who had a great rookie season, undrafted 2019, I believe, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe 2020. I think it was 2020. Um, yeah, I think you're it right. It fell out of favor there, traded to the Jets. They never really used him. Uh, Damian Harris out. You know, I know you're a Ramondre Stevenson guy, and he kind of emerged as the guy last year. I'd say their upper half of the middle tier. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I would put it, too. Not, yeah. Not going to. Ramondre Stevenson's real good. We're going to see Pierre Strong has got three rockets up his butt. He'll be interesting to see if he gets infused in the offense. You talked, to, you said it right about James Robinson. Ramondre Stevenson's the guy, you know, but yeah, I'm with you. It's again, it's one of those things, like you said, you want to go, damn, he's really good. He might be a top 10 running back, but then when you start to unpack it, you go, damn, there's, there's 10 really good running backs here. Holy crap. So I, I'm with you in that upper part of that middle third there. Somewhere between 12 and 15, the, the running back running back room. So we're on the same page there. You get to receivers, right? Well, well hang on uh, a second. Go ahead. Let me Sorry. say something. Sorry. That in and of itself yeah. tells us what this offense should be. It should be a run-based, run-heavy offense. Yeah. You couple it with good defensive play, especially against all these teams you're going to be coming across in the AFC that have great quarterbacks. Right. This is your formula. Right. Play good defense. Run the ball, shorten the game, have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers drinking Gatorade on the sideline, as you like to say, instead of out on the field, torching your defense and scoring points. That's going to be your chance. You're going to have grinded out, gutted out, close wins if you're going to win football games this year. That's what the Patriots need to be. Yeah, I, I don't. And, dis- and I think we've we've just had, we're, we'll get to the other positions, yeah. but I think we've just answered what yeah. they need to be offensively. I I, I I I agree with you. I do. Yeah, that's the that's the way they're set up with those running backs, and we're going to get into offensive line and tight ends where we're going to start to go. Wait, those are pretty strong positions, and that makes sense to what you're talking about there. And, and, and that style of play. Because the receivers are good, but I don't think we're sitting here ready to write home about it. Get Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Devontae Parker's still there. Kendrick Bourne. Got Tyquan Thornton, their second-round pick from Baylor last year, who can fly. You know, I feel like it's kind of the same there, Mike. Like, you know, the middle half or the top half of the middle third, maybe. Or definitely in the middle third. That, that's what I would say. They're not top 10 or top 11 receiving unit. I don't think they're bottom 10 but they're somewhere in the middle there this is one that's difficult to assess without looking at all the depth charts because i think if we had all the depth charts together we would put them lower than what we are you're you're right i think we probably would too. As, as i was saying it i was going you know what this group might actually be towards the bottom third. I think you I think you might be right about that in, in, in fairness. And, and I know the draft is still out there for them to add somebody, but what has been one of the historical problems with Bill Belichick coach teams? Drafting and developing of young receivers. So it's not like they're going to bring in some second rounder, first rounder, third rounder that's going to instantly make a splash like maybe a guy like that would in Pittsburgh. So that that I don't know that there's going to be a lot of help beyond what they currently have. And when you look at the veterans out there, we were talking about this yesterday in the context of the Packers. It's not like there's a lot of big-name veterans out there that no. would come in and make things better. There's still that possibility of a DeAndre Hopkins trade to New England. 
that gurgles around from time to time, and at times it feels like it's about to happen, and then it feels like it's never going to happen. But So they're not done yet. It's not a finished product. But right now, they're, they're probably lower side of the middle of the pack, maybe dangerously close to bottom third. Right. I, I think that's fair. I think you're right. I think if we unpacked the rest of the team's rosters, we'd go. Because, you know, Devontae Parker's been a little all over the place. Kendrick Bourne's never been a big-time staple for anybody. Tyquan Thornton's a little bit of a potential-based guy right now, too. So, yeah, there's not a lot of proven commodity there. Now, tight end's a different story. You get into that, and you start to go, hey, Hunter Henry's one of the better tight ends in football. They traded Jonu Smith. They got Mike Gusecki, right, who's one of the best pass-catching tight ends in all of football. That, to me, is the first unit we get here in the offense where I go, no, that's in the top third of football when you just at least take their top two tight ends. Well, and we've had the years where we've seen them have great tight ends and use them, like when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And then they add Hunter Henry and John U. Smith in that same offseason spending splurge from a couple of years ago, creating the expectation that, hey, the tight end is going to be a huge part of the offense. They're going to use these guys. Surely they didn't pay these guys to not use them. And John U. Smith was basically MIA for two years in New England. So the question in my mind is, will they – use these guys will we see Gasecki out there contributing catching passes remember he was that head scratcher last year Dolphins used the franchise tag and he became the guy that you know you just run out of reps you you run out of footballs you run out of opportunities we'd like to get the ball to the tight end but we're running the ball and then we get the third and long and we're throwing the ball outside trying to get the first down trying to move it down right, the we field. got Tyree kill the with the tight ends yeah 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 I mean so and I'm saying in New England I mean you know it's regardless yeah. whether it's Miami or New England we go into this with hey they got two great pass catching tight ends but are they gonna have enough reps to go around enough balls to go around to really use those guys when you consider what they're otherwise trying to do offensively and maybe they just make up for the fact that the receivers I think that's I think that's where you go bottom third that's where I think you that's where I think it comes into play and then it comes into again why don't they run the ball more okay well we got the two tight ends to do that a little bit and now you creep up at the line of scrimmage and now our tight ends are good off a play action pass and they're beating your linebacker down the field who you know bid on the play action pass so I think I think that's what I expect for them. I don't expect them to be in the shotgun running the spread or doing anything like that. I think it's like you said. There's dangerous teams in the AFC. They're going to have to play a little bit more of a complete team, not rely on the quarterback, run the ball, control the clock, play defense, kind of be old school that way. Because when you get into their offensive line, you go, that's a pretty damn group, damn good group too. I think when you throw that in with – you know, the tight ends like we're talking about, it's another one where I'd go, it's top third of football. Trent Brown is still a physical force at left tackle. Cole Strange, all things are going in the right direction for the controversial first-round pick from last year. Got a good center in David Andrews. Michael Unwainu is one of the better guards on Unwainu. I always mess up his name. I'm sorry, Michael. You're an awesome guard. I'll say that. And then they got Riley Reef in free agency to where you go to that offensive lines. That's damn good. And they should be able to run the ball and do play-action pass with that group. Yeah, I agree with your assessment there. Riley Reef is a guy who I remember him uh, as first rounder in Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. Good. It got to the point where they didn't want to they didn't want to pay him anymore. You know, you get to you get to a certain amount of age and wear and tear where you move on, but he still can contribute. Trent Brown, if they can keep him at the right weight range, he can be very good, and he has had great years with the Patriots, not with anybody else. He's moved around elsewhere, right. and it hasn't worked, but it's always worked for him in New England. So, yeah, and and if that's 
the offense that they're going to try to implement, as we think they should. Run based, run heavy, keep the opposing offenses on the sideline. They, they could be adequate. They could be competitive. Now, will they win more games than they lose? That's, that's the question. Does this formula work? Will it work in today's NFL where we see so many pass-happy teams, so many great quarterbacks, so many highly competitive teams in the AFC? You know, we, we've yeah. gone from well, the AFC being a conference that the Patriots dominated to a conference where they're just lost in the shuffle now. A little bit, a little bit. You know, it, it, it is interesting. And, and you know, your question about that style of play, you know, of course it still can work, yes. But you know, I don't know if it can work quite as well as it did, you know, in the early 2000s. And that the game has become, as we've talked about, a little bit more about like, hey, big plays, explosive plays. You know, we saw too many teams this year run for 200 yards and control the clock and then lose the game, right? Oh, great. We controlled the clock and, you know, we got all these yards from the 20 to the 20, but then we kicked a field goal or, you know, we did that. And then, oh, wait, damn, Mahomes and them, they weren't as efficient as us, but a yeah, oh, 40-yard pass, 50-yard pass, touchdown. Oh, man, man, we kind of controlled the game and, you know, we're losing uh, because they just made big plays. The game has swayed that way a little bit. It is a little different, and it's something I'm definitely interested you know, to see about this football team, if they can pull that old-school style of football off uh, the way they used to. All right, let's go ahead and take a break because uh, there was a development yesterday that was unexpected. Yikes. Uh, concerning. And as it relates to the way that the team dealt with it, very, very disappointing and troubling. We'll break all that down. Something's happened with the Cardinals that we'll delve into in uh, significant detail when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight... Mike NHC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.